Music, Life, and Times uh, with Mike Shaw and Kevin Bales. And I'm Mike. I'm Kevin. <laughs> and today we want to talk a little bit about jam sessions. Now, to me, jam sessions are intimidating as hell. <laughs> I mean, uh, I love to, you know, the joy, one of the great joys of playing music especially the joys of playing jazz. It's just go sitting in and, and sitting and playing with other musicians. You might not even know them when you show up and someone will call a tune and a key and there you go, right? Yeah, I mean, that's the idea. <laughs> that's fun. But boy, it can be intimidating, especially when there are a lot of really good musicians and you're not totally sure of yourself in a particular situation. So I think I kind of avoided them uh, mostly, or have avoided them mostly. Um, I, I've, I've played in some over the last couple of years, but not many. And uh, it just they just kind of make me nervous in anticipation. Now, once you get going, then you're playing the music, and it's not so bad. But. I think it really depends on who are, who are the musicians playing at the jam session, because... Um, you know, they're just just like anything else. Sometimes they're competitive and sometimes they're not. Jam sessions should not be competitive, even though there there is a place for that. You know, we have that this tradition, they call it the cutting session, where, um, you know, everyone tried to outplay each other. And that was kind of a, a, a fuel for them to practice more and practice harder. Uh, I like the stories about um, the rent parties in Harlem during the, the late 20s with... Uh, all the stride piano players, you know, Fats Waller would get up and play, and they're playing to get rent money, you know, charge a little price at the door, you know, and people would come and watch this show, and uh, like dueling pianos, but one piano, and Fats would play, maybe Duke Ellington would stay with them, would play a little bit, um, you know, all the, all the guys. I don't know why I'm stammering to say uh, James P. Johnson, but yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> father of it all. But then, at the, you know, they always like to tell about when uh, when Art Tatum would show up and the game was all over. They would they, they would say God is in the house because <laughs> he would out he would just sit there nicely and listen to everything they played, and then he would get up and played everything they did, but faster and better, I guess. There's this 1950s um, television show with Billie Holiday on. There was actually a bunch of musicians on, but the, the clip I like is her singing. Uh, fine and mellow this blues and all the other musicians are there a whole bunch of saxophone players and trombone players so you got coleman hawkins you got ben webster you have lester young you have jerry mulligan etc and um she'll sing a chorus and then they'll solo they kind of switch in between the the the, the her singing and them taking turns playing solo and um a bunch of them try to show off and play a bunch of notes because it's not a fast blues and when Lester gets up, he just plays the most simple, most beautiful thing. And time time has shown like he he's the winner of that because he was not being competitive. Mm -hmm. He was just making mm -hmm. music. I, you know. What was the first jam session you went to, Mike? Uh, it was a place here in Atlanta called the Red Light Cafe. Oh, really? Yes. And you were uh, you were the keyboard that night. Let me night. get this straight. You didn't have, never went to a jam session until you were an adult. That's true. Wow. Okay. Well, you know, uh, when my time of, of being a full-time musician, I was a, a single, primarily. Uh, you weren't married? <laughs> you yeah. meant a single act? Yes. Yeah, gotcha. 
And, uh, you know, I guess you would call it a solo artist, but I always hesitate to use the term artist when I talk about myself. You sing like an artist, Mike. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so my thing was, you know, I I worked clubs and and I, I played my guitar and sang. And then I picked up the piano and played piano and sang. Uh, and so there, there wasn't a lot of interaction with a lot mm-hmm. of other. In fact, I think that was one of the things that I really regret or missed uh, coming along was that interaction with other musicians because you learned so much from other musicians. And all I had to, the, the only person I had to learn from was me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and because I was on the road all the time, it wasn't like I could settle in and take lessons with anybody. Yeah, we didn't have the internet. Yeah, <laughs> and we didn't have the internet. It was, it was in the sixties. Well, would you take a lesson via mail, like playing chess? <laughs> you know, my my relationship with with jam sessions they mean a lot to me because the the very first time I really experienced jazz was at a jam session here in Atlanta at the Lark and the Dove. I would have been seventeen years old. A girl had just broken my heart, and I didn't know what to do. I just didn't want to be at home, so I went out and. Some musician invited me to this thing, and I was mesmerized by it. It was a good time in a certain way, because we're talking about 1985, 86, mm-hmm. and jazz was just at the middle of like kind of coming back. So the very best musicians, jazz musicians in town, were playing at this thing, because there just weren't many jazz venues for them. So I show up, and they're these great guys. Um, and I, I decided I want to sit in, <laughs> and it is intimidating at first. So I would I would say okay next week I'm going to do it and I would show up I'd sit there quiet not talking to anyone, and I would write down the songs that they played and then, and then I, uh, the time's up I say okay I'll do it next week. Mike it took me six months, <laughs> ah, you know give or take there was a Christmas yeah. in the middle there but the the funny thing is about when I sat in the first time I'm so nervous I don't want to do anything wrong, and I um. They introduced me. I kept on come up on stage, and they wanted to play. I wanted to play a song I knew, which is "Stella" by Starlight. I had my book with me. I brought it up with me, and my goal was just to not embarrass myself and not to make anyone angry. I thought so. I just played real quiet and stayed out of the way. And so far, everything's going good. And when we get to the piano solo, of course, I see it approaching. You know, my turn to solo. I'm super nervous, and so when the gets to piano solo, I just play really quiet, and. The bass player, I'll never forget, Neil Starkey, he heard me get quiet. He said, oh, he thought, oh, he must want to play quiet. So he got quiet. So the drummer got quieter. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm still too loud. So I got quieter. <laughs> and they were like, well, we can't get any more quiet. So they both laid out, which I didn't know was possible. And so I stopped playing. I think I did a maybe 16 measures. Yeah, and then the guy in the writing the jam session kind of looks around, looks at me, looks at everyone, and then gets up the microphone and says, "Let's hear it for uh, for Kevin." <laughs> and I fled the stage. But you, you know, the bass player, that particular bass player, Neil Starkey, and it's good we're talking about him. I mean, this is just coincidence. But you just wrote that beautiful article about him, calling him the Godfather of jazz bass here in Atlanta. He is a, a legend here. He's been playing here as long as I can remember, and he is so nurturing to other musicians. And he talked to me right after that and encouraged me to come back and said the funny thing. He says, says you know, you, he says, you could play a longer solo if you want. <laughs> <laughs> you know, another one of our uh, 
friends here in Atlanta mm-hmm. uh, and uh, great musicians. There's a fellow by the name of Joe Granston. Oh, you can, Joe's amazing. And he, run, he runs a jam session better than I have ever seen anyone do it anywhere in the world. He is so good at making everyone included, making them feel safe and taking care of all the difficult personalities that show up. Yes, and interestingly, you know, you mentioned this article that I did on Neil Starkey uh, for that was for Arts Atlanta. Right. Uh, it's a, artsatl.org, uh, which is the arts community uh, publication, online publication. Right. They cover everything uh, from the symphony to the ballet to movies to jazz, fortunately now. I get to do some writing on jazz for Arts Atlanta. And uh, I also just recently did a piece on Joe Granston and uh, relative to a program that uh, Joe is involved in with at Georgia State University uh, where they're going to do a tribute to Johnny Mercer. Um, I think we know Johnny Mercer was uh, Georgia-born. He's He's from Savannah, and uh, his actually his library of lyrics uh, uh, is at yeah. They uh, gave it to Georgia State. State, and trust me, the people in Savannah are still not happy about yeah. it because that's where he's from. Yeah, you know. But uh, I I don't know how it came to be there. But they, we do this concert once a year or every two years. I forget how often. And Joe is the perfect guy for it, you know. Mm-hmm. So here we're promoting him on on this. But he also right. for the longest time Atlanta until the pandemic, ran the, the longest-running and most successful jam session in town. We started at a place called Twain's in Decatur, and then we moved to Venkman's a little later, and I, I was lucky enough to be the house piano player for that every Tuesday night, and then I was doing every Wednesday night at the Red Light Cafe, you know. Right. Pandemic changed a lot. Joe is starting up a new jam session on Mondays at Napoleon's on the kind of the uh, the north side of Decatur. Right, that was the... the, the one of the subject matters of the interview that I did with him. Uh, and uh, he was telling me relative to that and back circling back uh-huh. to what we were talking about. He said, Joe's originally from New York, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So Joe was saying that in New York, jam sessions were really cutthroat. The ones that he attended, it was, it was a battle. And he said, I promised myself that if I was ever headed up a jam session, that it would be welcoming to everybody and then it would the last thing that it would be would be cutthroat you, you know the, the 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 very best jam session best music I had jam session and the very worst music i've ever had jam session was in new york city it's a great place called smalls i love it um mike wilder who runs it is is, is he's he is quite a, a patron of the arts and an amazing musician himself what he's done there with that club is amazing but he has that jam session often and all the young musicians will come and sit in, and sometimes the older ones. It's quite a good community center. And jam session as a center of community is important, whether it's competitive or not. The one that I saw that was the worst, I wish I had had a camera, you know, a phone, because it, it was on the level of comic, because there were four horn players, and they could not agree on what song they were going to play, and they were arguing. And one of them just started playing his song, and the other one started playing a completely different song in a different key. And then all four of them started playing... <laughs> trying to out trying to force this song and the rhythm section just gives up and there's four guys up there if they were trying to be avant-garde it could have been cool but it was it was like the worst egos on display which is not something fun to watch yeah Uh, you know 
I went to that first jam session. I met, you know, an important musician to me is this guy named Russell Malone, probably one of the very greatest guitarists to ever live. Um, he's, he's from Albany, Georgia, but he was living in Atlanta at the time. And uh, he was very kind to me, too, even though he played great. He wasn't famous yet. He was on the verge of it. Um, but as long as I've known Russell, he goes to jam sessions. Here he's world famous. When he comes to Atlanta, he'll show up at the red light or at, or at, uh, or at Bankman's when he was there. He'll, he'd show up and sit in. Sometimes he wouldn't sit in. Um, but he, he, he instilled in me that the value of a jam session is this, this practice area. Not that you go up to practice on people, but you can get up and try anything. No one's paying you to play. You're not being hired by a leader. Um, you get to practice work, working with different people and having to adapt your playing to fit cooperatively with everyone, the true democracy of this music. But for me, the best thing was it was my primary tool of deal, dealing with stage fright. You know, the intimidation of it. Mm -hmm. Because in order to, for me, in order to play well, I think almost everyone would say this too, but I'm, I, I certainly don't want to pretend it's my idea, but I play my best when I'm not thinking at all. If I can be up there and just channel, let the music happen, let my playing be a reaction to what's going on around me. And I, I've used jam sessions to work on that all the time. If I can get up there and play with four guys playing different melodies or something, if I can get up there and make, get to some music there somehow it, it's it's useful and the really only place to work on that is in an unsafe place like that it's funny when i have students who are have stage fright let's say they have their recital coming up you know and they are they are so nervous so they they just think if they practice the song enough even though they already know it so they'll stay up the morning and practice the song over and over and over saying if they were just prepared enough and what that does is it, it makes it even harder for them like all that practice right before they get up and play. Now, if they mess up, they practice all morning. And now the pressure is twice what it should be. <laughs> you know, I, I recommend people to, you know, my students, you know, go to a jam session. And just 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 sit in once and don't don't worry about what happens. You know, uh, from another another perspective, too, mm -hmm. uh, it's interesting that um I mean, those jam sessions that you talk about at Bankman's and at the Red Light Cafe, I've been to several of those just to not to even get up and play, just to go attend. And they're packed. Uh, people people love coming in for, for jam sessions. Um, so from an audience perspective, you know, it sounds like it's a, li a little internalized thing with the musicians, you know, working with each other and trying to, uh, do this and do that and testing themselves on this and that but the audiences the audiences find that very enter entertaining I mean you never know what's going to happen um, I um, I played one Thursday night I'm not doing them as much you know I'm getting old but <laughs> but um, I played one Thursday night and, and, you know off of Edgewood you know kind of near downtown Atlanta and uh, we had someone show up with the most unusual instrument and sit in young woman probably 30 and she had this triangle of wood with hinges that she was carrying with a handle of it it was probably probably four foot square once she unfolds it she was a tap dancer ah. <laughs> and she was amazing she was like a drummer it uh -huh. was we we just played and played with her it was so great i've never she's not from town she was traveling you know 
stopped. She had gone to a jam session at the red light the night before and noticed how welcoming everyone was. I would imagine being a tap dancer, being worried that these snobby jazz musicians are going <laughs> to shut you down. And, and you know, my, my experience with most jam sessions are that you're not competitive. Most of them. Um, times have changed a little bit, too. If you go to a jam session where there's a bunch of young musicians trying to make it or be famous, they're going to be competitive. And, you know... But most of the jam sessions I know of are, are more community-oriented. And people come in, they're terrified, and then they play, and they're like, wow, that was so great, thank you. And then they're worried. They come back the next time. We're like, sit in again and say, well, I, don't, I have a new song. Well, who cares? You know? Or, you know, they, they worry about things that don't matter as much. And I think audiences like it because there's such a diversity in what's going to happen. Usually, most jam session nights, there'll be a moment or two of magic. You know that that I get to, you know, participate in. Sometimes that's that's really the other positive. About it. And and to be honest, that kind of magic, the, the kind I'm talking about, it's only possible when you're not controlling all of the details. You know, like you're not. It's not like you practice a song, you polished every corner of it, and you know who exactly you're going to be playing with, and y'all, y'all worked out every detail of the arrangement and you're going to do it that way, you know, every time. Right. As, um, well, let's go back. Sure. Let's circle back again to the theme of our podcasts, uh, Music, Life, and Times. Okay. And uh, we're, we're talking about the, what you learn by learning music, right? Mm -hmm. Sort of life lessons that you learn. And I think the jam sessions are sort of the... Uh, contain the essence of that in terms of uh, improvisation because you can't plan anything when you go to a jam session i mean oh. you can plan what you want to play but i mean you're going to be up there with all these different people and everybody's taking turns and check this out my mentor ben tucker one of my mentors i'm so lucky man um he says man uh jam sessions uh, will make you better in bed <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? He says, you wouldn't want to make love to your wife the same way every time, would you? you got to have a little surprise. <laughs> a little drama. Maybe some role play, you would say. I mean, he's from a different generation, you know. Not that that's generational, just talking so bluntly about it. Mm -hmm. um, what a perfect way to come to a conclusion of this <laughs> episode of Music, Life, and Times. <laughs>